Welcome to Attachment Theory in Action, a weekly podcast presented by the Knowledge Center at Chaddock. Our podcast is dedicated to therapists, social workers, counselors, and psychologists working with clients from an attachment-based perspective. Join host Karen Doyle Buckwalter for an insightful, informative, and inspiring conversation with leading attachment theory researchers and clinicians in the field. Today, Karen concludes her two-part discussion with Dr. Claudia Gold on her new book, The Power of Discord, co-authored by Dr. Edward Tronick. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Attachment Theory in Action podcast. I am your host, Karen Doyle Buckwalter, joining you here from Chaddock with another fantastic guest I'm going to be interviewing on the podcast. Today, we are going to welcome Dr. Claudia Gold, who is a pediatrician and a writer who has practiced general and behavioral pediatrics for over 20 years and now specializes in early childhood and mental health in early childhood mental health. She is on the faculty of the University of Massachusetts Boston Infant Mental Health Program, the Breselton Institute at Boston Children's Hospital, and the Berkshire Psychoanalytic Institute. She is a clinician with First Steps Together, a program for pregnant and parenting women recovering from opioid dependence, and the director of the Hello It's Me Project, a community-based program supporting parent-infant relationships in rural Western Massachusetts. She's also the author of The Power of Discord, Why the Ups and Downs of Relationships are the Secret to Building Intimacy, Resilience, and Trust. She published that in 2020 along with co-author Ed Tronick, who many of you are familiar with, who listen to the podcast. She's written several other books, The Developmental Science of Early Childhood, the silenced child and keeping your child in mind. So I am, as always, very excited and really looking forward to talking to Dr. Gold. We're mainly going to be focusing on uh, her new book, uh, but uh, we'll also be exploring some other topics as well. So, hey, everybody, welcome back to the Attachment Theory in Action podcast for our continuing interview with uh, Dr. Uh, Claudia Gold. Dr. Gold, thank you for joining us again. Well, it's nice to be here. So we're continuing to talk about, well, your work overall, but also the newest book, The Power of, of Discord. Um, and um, I wanted to, uh, there was a, statement in the book that I would like to see if you could elaborate on. Um, and it, the statement was, our survival depends on the co-creation of meaning. And, you know, I think for this part of the podcast, I want to maybe be thinking about co-creation of meaning, co-regulation and versus self-regulation. Cause I think there's this idea, again, we go to, to these, um, extremes one way or another that self-regulate like the more self-regulation the better you know I work with a lot of kids that come to see me and that's the presenting problem the major dysregulation and very out of control aggressive both verbally physically and lots of other forms of dysregulation and so we're always talking about we have to help the child develop self-regulation we have to help and you know we need to be talking equally or more about co-regulation and I just would like you to kind of tease out some of those concepts. 
Yeah, well, I think self-regulation develops through yes. co-regulation. And so we have this whole uh, uh, chapter in the book um, about, uh, I, I, think it, I think it's, we changed the name to something about blame, but originally it was about uh, intimacy and self-reliance. Um, and those are really kind of flip sides of the same thing. That And this can get us actually to return to another one of Winnicott's great ideas, is that our ability to manage ourselves emerges through our experience of a consistent, reliable caregiver. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, and in the sort of moment-to-moment messiness of that intimate relationship with our primary caregivers, then we develop the ability to, on our own, uh, manage our, our feelings and also to be close with other people. Um, so, and I think that often the term self-regulation implies this kind of control. Um, and that's, that's um, it really means the ability to have big feelings. It's not like you don't wanna feel things, but you wanna be able to have big feelings while still having your, your physical and emotional self organized enough to function in the world. Um, yes. So, uh, and that happens when somebody with you allows you to have those big feelings and helps you to manage them. So you need someone else to have that process with in order to then be able to do that on your own. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like... Um on page 132, um, mm-hmm. where you you guys um, talk about resilience is rooted in development. Because I also think resilience is another misunderstood important yes. concept. So yes. you, 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 the two of you right here, resilience is neither a trait you were born with nor one that you acquire in the face of catastrophe. Rather, resilience develops when you muddle through the inevitable countless mismatches that occur occur in relationships with people you love beginning in early infancy. And what a hopeful definition. So let's talk about that. Yeah. Uh, Well, I think uh, resilience kind of has taken a, I don't know, sort of a dark turn that it it ends up being like this, this judgment. (laughs) kind of thing either you are resilient or or you know pull yourself up by your bootstraps and 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 um you know and and i think that uh when we think about it developmentally um first of all it it helps us to be have a little bit more of an empathic approach to the concept but also helps us to see how how we build resilience um and so I, I like the idea that it's kind of woven into the fabric of your being through your, your experiences over time. Um, and so, uh, you know, moving through, like starting with when you're a newborn and your parent goes to answer the doorbell and that's like a, something that's kind of beyond your ability to cope, but then they come back, you know, but, and then when you're, uh, Two and and you you know you can't have the donut before dinner and you have a tantrum and you're I mean and, and it goes badly and then you repair that and you know that's another opportunity for building your resilience and your ability to deal with a difficult moment um, and they get you know these moments get more 
complex as you go through life. Um, but, but that's the idea that it's this, this moment to moment developmental process, uh, what, what Dr. Tronic calls quotidian resilience. Well, yeah, uh, everyday experience. Yes. Where you survive little breaks and come back from them over and over again. Right. Yeah. I just thought, um, and, and it also says it, it's a muscle that grows from the repair of mismatch, which is, you know, what you were saying, but the idea again, that it's a muscle that grows is not just this like innate characteristic or some genetic thing like that, that one's resilient and that one's not, um, that it's, it's built, um, over time. Um, and it's also not something that you teach someone. I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of literature about, you know, in the education system about building resilience and, but the, you can build resilience in, in the education system. But I think you, if you look at it, it's the resilience builds through relationships with teachers, relationships between children, you know, relationships with parents that it has to have that relational quality. It's not just something you give to someone from the outside. Right. Yeah. 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 Exactly. That's, that's so, so helpful. Um, so um, we're talking a lot. Um, let me see how to formulate this question. Um, you know, one of the things that Dr. Tronic pointed out with his original idea was that he thought the research was looking so much at what the mother does and not what the baby does and that there's something that the baby's doing. You're smiling. Um, um, and, you know, first I, I, I'd like to hear your, your, your thoughts about that. But then also I'm thinking, but yet the, the mother's state of mind is so important as well. You know, so, you know, like, for example, you know, we talk about in infant mental health, our client is the relationship, not, mm -hmm. not the mother, not the child. But anyway, you, you first uh, smiled. Our listeners can't see that, but I can. Um, when I brought up, you know, that the baby's doing something, it's not just the mother. So, so what, mm -hmm. what, what thoughts did you have about that? Well, I just think I feel so privileged as a pediatrician to spend a lot of time with newborns because, and that's, uh, Barry Brazelton was such an influence on Dr. Tronic's work because he saw that just right from birth, babies have so much capacity for connection, communication in so many ways. Um, and, you know, so I think, uh, uh, you know, that was not really wide even today it's not really often widely recognized um so uh you know bringing that perspective that and i also think you know when uh the mutual regulation model that dr tronic came up with really shows us how it's not like you think the problem is either in the child which is sometimes how we think about things uh you know like you have uh baby with colic or you have a mother who's got postpartum depression, but that they each impact the other in these moment-to-moment -moment exchanges so that you can't separate those things out. And when you can um, really look at those, the communication between the two, then, and B, when you're in the dyad, uh, then it, 
it improves the relationship, but also then improves the behavior of the child and the, or the emotional state or the development of the child and of the mother. Um, so you really, it's not one or the other. They're, they're all intimately intertwined. Um, and so, and I, I feel like as a pediatrician, I really appreciate that because there's a lot of what the baby brings to the situation. Yes. You gotta take into account because babies are all different and some babies, um, you know, have this very smooth, what, what Gresselson called state regulation, that they are, you know, very predictable and they have these lovely periods where they smile or not smile, but make eye contact and then they fall, then they fall asleep and then they wake up and then they cry and they eat and then they make eye contact, you know, and then everything is all very uh, predictable. And then there are other babies, not that there's anything wrong with those babies, but there are other babies who, you know, cry and cry and cry and then they're suddenly asleep and they have very little time. And, and that has an impact on the caregiver. Um, and so, and then it, it, that in and of itself affects the caregiver's emotional state. So you, in order to help things go in a, in a positive direction for development, you, you, I can't think about it any other way than of the two in relation to each other and in turn affecting the development of the individual separate people in the dyad. Mm-hmm. That was a long answer. I but, love, I love it. But babies are just amazing in what they can do. Well, <laughs> um, you know, it, obviously, you know, many of us have seen the films of Brazelton and holding the baby and uh-huh. baby searching for a voice and the rattles and these old grainy films. And I'm thinking of this as you're talking, these little babies. And then I'm even thinking about, you know, the first time seeing seeing the the still face um you know first just being just kind of so shocked about the whole thing but then um when dr tronic gets on and ex- starts talking about all the things the baby did like mm-hmm. to try like he's he starts breaking it down you know the screeching the this the looking away the drooling i mean different things and it's like oh my goodness this baby has already this whole repertoire of yeah. things to do. Yeah, and it's, so I, you know, I, I also love the way I learned in working with Dr. Tronic to reframe it as a very hopeful thing, that the baby has so much of a sense of like, I got this, I'm, I know what to do, I have a whole bag of tricks that I'm gonna pull out, and the baby doesn't have any like conscious thought of that, nobody taught them that, they didn't read it in books, they just, it's in the experience, the accumulated experience that they've had with that caregiver that they have you know this wonderful word agency like I can act on my world to make it better and that and that's that's a very hopeful thing um, even though you know people often are drawn to the distress of the still face so what I like about the book is that we open it up that it's really the, the in the reunion you see the hopefulness of it yeah yeah it is it's um it's, uh, you know, I, it, it's such a different way of thinking about this. I mean, it's, it's really, I'm, I'm recognizing how entrenched I have this paradigm, like, like, no, more connection better, more attunement better, always more attunement, you know, <laughs> and, and just really not ha- having, almost seeing breaks or, or things like that or ruptures as 
you know, the unnecessary evil that you really quickly repair and then try to get back to the real thing that really matters, which is like this attunement. And it's just, I guess I didn't realize how ingrained that was in me until I, until this book is just, like I said earlier, it like turns it all on its head. Wow. Wow. Okay. In a very good way, in a very hopeful way. And, um, the idea that no, it's, it's not just, we're not saying we just tolerate those because no one can get it right a hundred percent of the time that those build resilience and those build um, security and agency and knowing like, okay, this happened, but I can come back from it. You know, all of those ideas um, being so important. I mean, in the beginning of the book, I think we have this idea, you know, we're, we're humans are separate from each other and we all have our own identity. So it's inevitable that we're going to not understand each other. Right. Just by the fact that we are unique, separate individuals. Um, And so that it makes sense that by learning to move from, from misunderstanding to understanding, that's both how we form our relationships with each other, but it's also how we form our sense of ourselves. Um, So, yeah, it's, it's really uh, fundamental to our relationships and our own development to have that experience of getting through a moment where you don't quite get what I'm saying and we, we, we stick it out together until you do get what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, right. And right, that's, and that's what the babies and parents are doing together, right? Yeah. Just you just yeah. said, you know, sticking it, to get, sticking it out until we, we figure out what's going on here with each other. And we, we're just, I mean, not to get political on you, but I mean, I feel like we're having a hard time with that in our world today. Yes. Um, you know, finding ways to meet each other when we don't quite see eye to eye. So mm-hmm. I, I, I hope we can get some more broad lessons yes. from the book as well. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So um, in, in, uh, another thing that relates to what you were saying earlier about, you know, these are both individuals. And, you know, I think another um, thing that we see a lot um, is being like, very prescriptive about these behaviors will lead to secure attachment and healthy baby development and, you know, almost like, you know, making a list of, you know, you just do these things. And I think the book really brings out, well, it, it really depends, you know, we can't be that prescriptive um, that it, like you're saying, it depends on the relationship, but I wonder if you could talk some more about that. Yeah. We live in a, 10 tips for the perfect child society. Um, and <laughs> both Dr. Tronic and I just really balk at that kind of thing. And it, it's amazing how, you know, no matter what, it, it, with our editor, we would have these, we, these little Because tips. the book publishers want the tips, want the tips. Yeah. They're like constantly the trying tip to make you give the tips. <laughs> Oh, believe me, I know. I've been down that road. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I don't want to come across as kind of withholding, you know, because I, I get that people really want something to hang on to. But I also feel like another concept, you know, from Dr. Tronic and that I've certainly seen in my work is this idea of 
giving people agency to figure it out themselves. Like, like if I come up with the answer for what you should do with your child, and, I, and I, this happens so often, is that people say to me, no, <laughs> that was wrong, and, and that didn't work. And when that happens, like, that to me is a great victory. You know, um, that not that you didn't follow what I said you should do, but you realized that you knew better than I did what to do, and you did it, and that was good. So, um, but it's really tough uh, to, um, I get that, asked that all the time. What are the 10 tips? <laughs> yeah, and just, and thinking back to your earlier comments about sitting in uncertainty, and I'm even thinking, you know, about mental health treatment, you know, we were talking there about mm. 10 tips maybe for parents, but this idea of manualizing things and it's these, you know, these steps that you do and, and this is how you do it. And I think we as providers are under a lot of pressure too. Um, and I, maybe even more so physicians, like, yeah. come on, diagnose, treat, and we'll move on. Um, yeah. I wonder your thoughts about, I mean, having to sit, when you were talking about it earlier, um, I was thinking about how hard it is, A, to sit with uncertainty because of external expectations put on us, but B, even to do that within ourselves. Like, yes. Yeah. What, what are some thoughts you might have about that? Uh, well, both professionally and personally, you mean. Yeah. Uncertainty. Mm -hmm. I mean, we, we are having like a big universal worldwide lesson in tolerating uncertainty right now uh, and how to maintain our own sense of self and self-regulation when we just really don't know anything about our future. Um, so it's very relevant. It is. <laughs> uh, and, and I think, um, uh, well, I have a couple of thoughts about that. So I, I went to the grand view. I mean, I, yes, I think as a practitioner, there's a lot of pressure for things to be manualized and certain and measures. And I, I've been a little bit of a, you know, I don't know if the word is revolutionary, but I've kind of done my own thing professionally because I've not, I felt that that wasn't really working best. So I've become a writer and I teach in this program, but you know, much of the world of, of pediatrics doesn't work like this. Like you have to have a measure and you have to have an instrument. Um, and uh, so I've sort of balked against that my whole professional life. Um, and I'm, I've hoped that, you know, by writing, uh, it, it helps people to think differently. Um, so that's the path I've taken rather than using instruments and uh, evidence-based and all that. I mean, there is a lot of evidence to what we do, but um, tried to be a little bit more flexible about things. Um, but yeah, I think uh, learning to live in uncertainty is, uh, is, is linked to this kind of moment-to-moment -moment mismatch and repair, because if we can just kind of say, okay, we're in a tough, tough time. I mean, the expanse of uncertainty reaches out in this very difficult time. So the way we're gonna get through it is to just be in the moment and, and in relationships with each other um, and finding meaning in that moment, even if we can't really see what the bigger meaning is because things are so 
uh, uncertain now. Yes. And maybe that was, maybe went off in a bigger direction. No, but I can't no, help no, but think no. of this is the context in which we're speaking. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, it's, it's, yeah, it, it's absolutely wonderful. And, and I appreciate you, you bringing it out. Um, I, just a couple other little things that jump out, you know, as I was reading this, I love this statement of messiness is the key. And I, I know we've been talking about that, but I mean, it's just, um, first, I just love that word, the word you guys chose for that. Oh, well, that was Dr. Tronic. He loves that word. Does yeah. he? Well, that's funny because I, um, in interviewing him, I said, you know, this is not language of an experimental researcher, you know, and, you know, and, and you, the, I wondered about it, you know, like, did he, was he inhibited? Like, was it really hard for him to start using messiness, you know, um, because it's, you, you are going to reach the masses by using less formal language. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so, but I think for a researcher and, and a physician such as yourself, I, I wondered if, if that was difficult or if it was really easy to just like, yeah, well, uh, I mean, I think that was probably what we originally wanted. Uh, um, I think the original title we wanted was The Normal Messiness of Love. <laughs> oh! <laughs> Although, anyway, our editor didn't so much like the word messiness in the title. But, uh, yeah, that's definitely a word that Dr. Tronic uses all the time. It's uh, so good. It's such a good word. Yeah, you know, it, it is what it is, yeah. It's so freeing. Yeah. And yeah. just so, okay, messiness is supposed to happen at time. I mean, me me supposed to happen. Messiness is inevitable. You know, we can overcome messiness. Um, it's not a bad thing. Um, and, you know, some of the other really profound statements, you know, obviously right out of the title, discord is essential for growth. I just thought that that was just such an amazing statement. And, you know, this one kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier, that connection might be a good one to end on. Um, connection is not a set of behaviors. Um, it's just more being in that messiness together and figuring it out. Yeah, yeah. It's sort of like the, the connection happens through the mismatch. Yeah. Um, so, and that gets to what I was just saying earlier, that as kind of separate people with our own motivations and intentions, we're going to misunderstand each other and we're going to uh, have moments of disconnection. Uh, yeah. And then, then our relationships, our sense of trust, um, that's also in the title. You know, when, yes. when somebody, uh, you know, hangs in there with you long enough to figure it out together, then that's how you, you learn to trust each other. Right. And uh, so it's, uh, um, yeah, it's, that, that's fundamental to connection. Well, and I want to point out, um, you know, although um, Dr. Tronic's known for his research with babies and you're a pediatrician, there's lots of examples in here about adults and couples and, um, you know, so... I, I don't see this book just being about the power of discord between infants and parents. I mean, oh, absolutely. Yeah. I want, I want listeners to know it's way bro broader than that. Um, yeah. And, and so helpful. And also before we end, I would like 
you to share about, if you could briefly about your other books and how okay. people could find them and, and um, sure. more, more things to read about that you've done and accessing it and your website and all that. <laughs> okay, sure. Thank you. Well, I appreciate, first of all, that you're calling attention to the fact that it's about all relationships across the developmental spectrum through old age. Um, so, uh, I hope people will uh, appreciate that. So, um, and then, but my work, my first book was called Keeping Your Child in Mind, which I mentioned earlier grew out of that experience, a kind of aha moment, um, and focused on this idea of reflective functioning and being curious about the meaning of your child's behavior. And it goes across uh, the developmental spectrum from newborn through adolescence. Um, and then my second book, which I have to say, aside from this, is my favorite, although it did not sell very well. I think it was a tough message. It's called The Silenced Child. And um, it's got actually many similar ideas, but it came out of my you know, frustration with the fact that kids were often diagnosed, they're managed, treated, without really hearing the story and also not really listening to parents and, and parents who had had really tough things happen in their own lives. Uh, and, and so I wanted to kind of open up a space for empathy for, for parents and children, but it, it really goes against the grain of kind of traditional mental health care. Um, anyway, but, but I, I hope that people read it now that we wrote this book. Yes. It's my favorite book. Yeah. Uh, I talked a little bit about my own history and having a, a father who's a Holocaust survivor and what it meant for me to learn his story. Um, so that was my second book. And then my third book was, is called The Developmental Signs of Early Childhood. And that I was asked by Norton to write that book for mental health professionals. But it's also a book that's written in very accessible language. So um, pediatricians can use it. Parents actually read it. So um, it's used and I teach a whole variety of uh, practitioners with all levels of education. And they use that book as the text okay um, so that that that's those are my three other books and there it's all it, you know we have the power of discord website but there's also claudia m gold md uh which is my separate website that has all the information about all my books great well thank you so much and again for everybody the the latest book is the power of discord why the ups and downs of relationships are the secret to building intimacy resiliency and trust you have to all go buy it it's wonderful i've got it marked up all over the place you can't see that but i do and uh it's on amazon and websites and all different places and thank you so so much for your time and your perspective today and and this wonderful new book that you've gifted us with no, thank you. Such a pleasure talking with you. <laughs> All right. Bye-bye for now. Bye. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Attachment Theory in Action. Please follow our site, tkcchaddock.org, or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or Podbean for future podcasts. If you enjoyed our podcast, please leave a review and share with your professional network. For additional resources, training opportunities, and blogs, please log on to tkcchaddock.org. We hope you'll join us again as we continue to explore the world of adoption, trauma, and attachment theory.